Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you're tuning in from. Welcome to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. I am very, very pleased that you are all here with me today. It's, uh, I, I know last week's show we, we pre-recorded. I was out at a conference last week. I was at the um, Psychedelic Sciences Conference last week in Denver, and it was a massive conference it was probably the largest psychedelics related conference in the history of modern world there was over 11 or 12000 people showing up i got to see some amazing elders that i've never met before in my life like dr stanislav grof and i've i've known of dr grof's work since the early 80s and he's truly an icon in the industry he's he's about to turn 92 years old god knows if i'll have an opportunity to see him again uh there were also such luminaries as um dr andrew wheel the very famous uh, integrative doctor he was there i got a chance to shake his hand which was nice um and dr roland griffiths truly one of the most touching inspirational talks of the conference um, he's the gentleman who started the the um, psychedelic studies in Johns Hopkins University, where they've, been, where they've done so much great research on psilocybin and MDMA. And just a few months ago, he found out that he has stage four colon cancer. And he may not be with us that much longer. Yet he showed up and he showed up on stage with a presence, a joy, a curiosity for the mystery of life and what comes next. And to see this gentleman on stage, I mean, basically facing his imminent demise and being able to do so with such poise and such joy, such joy it, it was amazing to behold and um it really touched me as did so many of the lectures i sat into and just the people i connected with so many people there i didn't even know would be there so it was quite a week i mean five days very full days i'm still recovering from it so my energy is now what it usually is you know why so um, I've got a wonderful guest who I want to introduce in a moment. But first, of course, we have our little section from my book, Everyday Awakening. There we go. Um, and this section is entitled, When We Open Up to Possibilities, We Can See the Magic of Life. Sometimes... We crave to see evidence of magic in our lives. We want that something special to show up in a way we can see it, touch it, feel it. We want to see something we can't explain. At the same time, we are skeptical of magic and miracles. We have a hard time believing in unseen things. We feel that magic just does not happen for us. Here is the thing. If we want magic to show up in our lives, we need to change. 
to change our perspective, to change our attitude, to be open to the possibility. If we would allow ourselves to be just a little more open, we would create space for magic to show up. Sometimes the magic is all around us and we just do not see it. Small coincidences go unnoticed. There is the person who calls right when we're thinking about them. The 1111 on the clock. The angel speaking to us in subtle ways. If we do not look for it, we do not see it. Yet when we open our eyes, when we open our hearts to the magic of life itself, when we embrace the miracles that are all around us, we see and experience so much more magic. What was once impossible is now possible. What was once unimaginable is now very real. And our lives become joyful knowing there is magic in them. The shift is not an easy one especially if we have spent a lifetime being skeptical and closed-minded. To open up now is asking a lot of ourselves. Yet it is the only path we can take to have this desire fulfilled. For only those who believe in magic will see magic. Real magic, not sleight-of-hand tricks. The magic of life itself. Have you been close to magic? Can you open up to seeing the magic in your own life? So th this comes, uh, th th this whole section comes from an inspiration uh, from the gentleman who I study under. His name's Armand. And uh, he said to me once, you know, I, I said to him, you know, in the past in my life, people always, you know, called me gullible and that, you know, I, I, I don't know, unrealistic or whatever. And he said, oh, being gullible is a good thing. I was like, really? Why is that? And he says, well, because if you're not gullible, you can't see the magic around you. People who are not at least a little bit gullible we never notice the real magic of life, the the amazing things that can happen. And, you know, it's so funny reading this, especially I, I put in this post about the 11-11 on the clock. I almost daily see 11-11. It's so funny. I mean, not intending to. It's not like I'm sitting there at 11-10 and waiting for it to flip over to 11-11. Um, but just very casually passing, um, you know, I check my phone for something and it's 11.11. I look at the clock in the kitchen and it's 11.11. That, that comes to me all the time. I'm still not quite sure what that really means, but it happens far too frequently to be a random occurrence. And you see, that's the thing. I could be very skeptical. I could just be, nah, it's just a random occurrence. It's just happening more frequently at certain times. And then I miss the magic. And so 
the whole point of this section of the book called when we open up to possibilities we can see the magic of life it's opening up to the possibility that there's something magical about this and we don't have to be certain i don't think magic ever comes with certainty it's being open to the possibility that life as we know it just might be a little different than we've been raised, than we've been taught, than we've understood it to be. So um, this is my my gift for you for this week from this section of my book. Um, yeah, so I guess uh, uh, your mission, should you choose to accept it for this week until next week's show, is going to be opening up to the possibility of magic in your life. Can you notice, do you, can you see just amazing occurrences happening that work out just perfectly? And instead of calling them coincidences, think of them as something magical and see if maybe life will bring you more of it. So that's my invitation for this week for you all so now it is my extreme pleasure oops, to welcome to the show um cosmologist futurist planetary healer and award-winning author dr jude curavan phd hope i got that right curavan <laughs> it's wonderful sam yeah the name is comes from the irish Ah. Uh, and my husband's uh, great grandfathers and earlier were Irish, and it's based on the the word for raven. Ah, so ravens are pretty magical, um, and mm. so yeah, Curavan is 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 derives from that. So, uh, Doctor Curavan is an award winning author of the Cosmic Hologram and the Story of Gaia, which I have right here. This is what <laughs> it looks like. Um, the Big Breath and the Evolutionary Journey of Our Conscious Planet. In this latest book, Dr. Curvin, she explores our emergence as self-aware members of a planetary home, an entire universe that is a unified and innately sentient entity, showing that mind and consciousness are not what we possess, but what we and the whole world fundamentally are. She reveals our universe as a great thought of cosmic mind, manifesting as a cosmic hologram of meaningful information that virtually exists to evolve. She's one of the most senior international businesswomen in the UK and co-founder of Whole World View, aiming to serve the understanding, experiencing, and embodying of intuitive awareness and conscious evolution Welcome to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Dr. Curvin. Sam, it's lovely to be with you. And I, I so appreciated you sharing those stories at the beginning of the of the show. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I, I it's uh, I'm I'm just you know running through my book that that came out in, in 2020. And um it's kind of funny how I'm just going in order, yet somehow whatever I'm reading for the day always fits perfectly with the guests that I have. So I, I always like to start off, and, and we'll have a commercial break in about two, three minutes. Um, 
but I like to give the audience a little bit of background about how you became a cosmologist, a futurist, and 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 so focused on planetary stuff. I mean, when when you were like a little kid, did you like look up to the stars in wonderment? And was this something that that was always sort of a part of you, or is it something that more developed later in life? Always part of me. I mean, I was looking up at the stars with wonder when I was four years old, five years old. I had my first what might be called supernormal experience when I was four years old. So this lifelong journey has been one of curiosity. And when people say, well, what's a cosmologist? I mean, most cosmologists research the physical universe. I really look deeper at the nature of reality itself. and, And it's a lifelong curiosity of exploration. Yes. Yes. I mean, I've, uh, I, I've, to me, like, you know, ever since I, I became aware of people like uh, um, uh, David Bohm and um, uh, uh, Capra, who wrote the Tao of Physics, uh, and of course, um, oh, 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 what's his name? The guy who did Cosmos. Oh, I can't believe it. Oh, Carl Sagan? Carl Sagan. Yes, Carl Sagan as a kid. Um, there's this wonderful video uh, I love called the the symphony of science where this gentleman like strung together all these interviews of people like Sagan and, uh, Feynman and, and, and all these great physicists into this like kind of tunesy thing that, that was just wonderful. And, you know, to me, it, it, it's always such a mystery mm-hmm. and, and I kind of at a young age, I kind of got that there's this mystery that regular religion, standard religions didn't really answer for me. You know, I was brought up Jewish, but I never really felt the spirit of it as a kid. Yet somehow in, and and my first major in, in college was physics. Like uh, I remember I, I worked in the physics lab that first semester and made a hologram way back when, you know, people didn't know what holograms were. And it's like studying the fundamental nature of reality to me felt like it was the most important thing we could possibly do. I, I love it too, except I would say now that the appearance of our universe, its energy, matter and space time, we're realizing as did ancient wisdom traditions is not its fundamental reality. So hopefully today we'll have a, a deep dive into how that is and perhaps why that is and what that means for us in our lives. Because as you say, it's fundamental to yeah. each and all of us. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I totally want to go there. We're going to take our first break. Um, and, and when we come back, let's start diving in. I'm, I'm curious about the cosmic hologram and then, and then how your, 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 your focus from, from the cosmic hologram to the story of Gaia. Um, because now we're shifting from sort of a more cosmic to, to a planetary. And I feel this is so important, especially for what's going on today in the world. So. Everyone, please stay tuned. You are listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour Awakening Humanity. We do this every Thursday, 12 noon to 1 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on talkradio.nyc. And of course, 10 a.m. on KMET in Palm Springs, California on Wednesdays. And we will be right back with our guest, Dr. Jude Caravan, in just a moment. 
Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. What really drives success in business? Introducing Intangify, the show that explores the intangible assets that create value and growth. I'm Matthew Asbell, your host and an attorney focused on innovation. Join me Fridays at noon Eastern to discover how innovation, culture, and other intangibles shape driving companies from startups to established businesses. We'll share strategies to unleash your business's true potential. Tune in live on talkradio.nyc Fridays at noon Eastern and Intangify your business today. Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We're speaking this hour with Dr. Jude Caravan, author of the book, The Cosmic Hologram, and her new book, The Story of Gaia. So um, you've been a cosmologist and a futurist for a long time, haven't you? <laughs> sure have. Less of a futurist, but certainly a cosmologist. I think it's in my DNA. But the the, the futurist came really in the last perhaps 25 years, but uh, the cosmology has been a lifelong journey. Wonderful. And, and uh, the cosmic hologram, your, your first book, what was the inspiration for that? Why did you decide to write that book? Well, it wasn't my first book, actually, Sam, it was my sixth. <laughs> oh, sixth. Whoa. Whoa. Um, but, but it was the first, well, it wasn't the first book, but I, about 22 years ago, talking about the magic, about 22 years ago, um, I heard, I heard a clairaudient message. I talked about supernormal phenomena and I'd like to sort of share some of these because this is where the magic becomes our everyday lived yeah. experience. In, in, in yes? the conference last week, they call it nine ordinary states of reality. Fine. For me, it's ordinary. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I love that. And, and uh, a friend and colleague of mine, Dean, Ray, Dean Radin of IONS, uh, the Institute of Noetic Sciences, Dean calls it supernormal phenomena. Otherwise, it's not paranormal, it's not supernatural, right. but it is supernormal. So with those experiences, um, I began to explore the nature of reality from when I was very young indeed. Mm. And 
that experience I sometimes describe as walking between worlds. But what I did experience were realms of existence and intelligence way beyond what we call our physical universe. And some years later, because I started really doing this when I was very young, some years later, I came across an ancient text from India that talked about something called Indra's net. Yes. <laughs> and Indra's net describes reality as made up of a myriad of jewels. And each jewel has many, many facets. And each facet of every jewel reflects every other facet of every other jewel. And the jewels are connected by golden threads of light. And that accorded to my experiences far more than what I was being then taught at school and then at university and onwards. And many years later, I, I came across the terminology of holograms. I love that you built one. I mean, good for you. Um, but as a cosmologist, some decades ago, uh, researchers were looking at black holes and they were realizing that the information of massive stars, what happens to it when a massive star collapses at the end of its life and becomes a black hole, was actually still in our universe. But instead of being proportional to the to the three-dimensional volume of that black hole, it was proportional to its two-dimensional surface area. And you'll recognize this because what you do when you create a hologram, you shine light off a 3D object. The reflected light brings back its information about that object. That's then placed on a two-dimensional frame. And when another beam of light's flowed through it, the hologram of that original object is projected. So expanding their understanding of what they were finding about black hole information, a, a light bulb started to go off mm-hmm. and they expanded that to the whole universe. So all the understanding we've now gathered over the last period of time, and it really is leading edge, but the evidence is compelling, is that the appearance of our universe, its energy, matter, space, time, isn't its most fundamental reality, but arises from realms of causation Mm. as intelligent, meaningful information, and that the whole of our universe is holographically projected from its boundary, what we call Mm space-time, but from its boundary literally as a cosmic hologram. And what that means is our universe exists and evolves as a unified entity. So although within space time, nothing can go faster than the cosmic speed cop, which is the speed of light, mm-hmm. because our universe exists and evolves as a unified entity, a great thought form of meaningful information, it means that it knows itself in its entirety. And it means that meaningful coincidences that are sometimes called synchronicities, supernormal phenomena and experiences are naturally embraced by this emergent cosmology. And of course, it's an emergent cosmology that has its roots deep in universal wisdom teachings. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's so many ancient traditions, like even in Judaism, in the Kabbalah, if if you look at like the the, the fundamentals of Kabbalah, like where how it talks about the way the universe was formed, it 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 is similar stories of of 
the giver and receiver and the shattering into multiplicity. And it, it really, to me, it's, it's sort of amazing how after thousands and thousands of years, science is bringing us back to this ancient, ancient wisdom. And it really makes you scratch your head and wonder, well, how did these ancient mystics know all this? You know, I remember the first time I was exposed to the idea of Indira's web, and I was like, oh, my God, like, yeah, that's the holographic universe. I was like, how did they possibly have a concept of this, you know, two, three, four, five thousand years ago? And, and you know, to me, the amazing thing about holograms, and just I want to relate this for our audience who might not be as aware of the how holograms work. But when you create a hologram, it's a flat 2D representation. But, you know, like a regular picture, if you cut it in half and you have just one half of the picture, you only see that half. But with a hologram, if you cut it in half, you can still see the whole image. You just have to look at it from a slightly different angle. And there's a little less information, so it might look a little fuzzier. And you can keep cutting that hologram up into smaller and smaller pieces and in every single little piece of the hologram will be the entire image. Now, th- this is something to me is just incredible. Like, how it's the can- way our universe and the way our universe is because, yes. you know, our best high definition holograms have pixelation scale, which is tiny, absolutely tiny. But the pixelation, in other words, that, that minimum piece that the whole can be subdivided within, and yet the whole is within every piece, the pixelation scale of our universe is more than a trillion, trillion times smaller than our best high-definition holograms on Earth. It's absolutely minute. The, The pixelation scale of our universe, which is how its reality comes into being, is as small as to an atom as an atom is to the whole universe. Mm-hmm. which enables a vast, vast amount of meaningful information to yeah. be expressed in this appearance that we, we've we described as its energy and matter and space and time. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, in in the story of Gaia, and, and I think in your work in general, you you really try and show how consciousness is not something that evolved out of matter but is actually more the fundamental aspect of the universe and i remember seeing a video on youtube and i can't remember the gentleman's name but he talked about how there are several uh uh theoretical physicists now who all are in alignment with that idea that Almost in order to have matter, in order to have this world that we live in, you need to have consciousness first. I would say even more than that, that mind, cosmic mind and consciousness, universal mind and consciousness is the stuff of reality. Mm. You know, the way that quantum physics works makes a, a reality seem very solid 
And yet we know when we drill down that it's incredibly ephemeral. And now we're realizing that what is there are fields of relational and meaningful information, Mm. which is basically consciousness expressing itself as digitized information Mm. that then becomes the atoms, the molecules, the planets, the plants, the people, everything of our universe. It's a great thought rather than a great thing. And if we truly understand and take to heart the idea that it's all one, right, that everything is related, then that would kind of change how we show up in the day-to-day world, wouldn't it? Just a touch, which I'm sure <laughs> we'll go on to explore after the break, but yes, exactly. it changes it changes everything. Yes, yes. And and it's the change that we probably need in the world now okay so so we have to go to a break um when we come back i just want to touch upon the string theory um and then also the the nobel prize winners in physics last year um made a discovery that they won that was kind of a odd kind of thing to win the Nobel Prize for. So I'd like to work that into the conversation, if that's okay with you, Dr. Jude. It's more than okay. I'll be delighted to, Sam. Wonderful. Wonderful. So everyone, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. This hour, we're speaking with Dr. Jude Carvin, author of the book, The Story of Gaia, and we'll get into the book too uh, before the end of the show. So please stay tuned. We'll be right back in just a moment. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. And 
and welcome back. So, Dr. Jude, last year, a couple of physicists won the Nobel Prize for a very interesting discovery, didn't they? They surely did, Sam. And I feel it really is, is sort of heralding this threshold of breakthrough in this new understanding, which, of course, is ancient understanding that we've been we've been sharing. Their names are John Clauser, Alan Aspect and Anton Zellinger. And their work really goes back to the beginnings of quantum theory, you know, the quantum pioneers of, of more than 100 years ago. Because when quantum physicists were starting to realize something very different from what the scientific paradigm had been until then, instead of a mechanistic universe of separate things, they were starting to discover more more relationships, more processes, more flows. And they were realizing that, you know, the theory, uh, the, the theory required that our entire universe is unified. And the description of that is non-locally unified. And non-local means, you know, it's not just in front of our faces or on a planetary scale. It's beyond our senses. It's beyond, um, in that sense, it's beyond local perception, but that our entire universe is fundamentally non-locally unified. And what that means is, as I mentioned earlier, it means our universe, now that we know even more about this, um, exists and evolves as a conscious, living, unified entity, which knows itself. Mm. It knows itself in its wholeness. But to begin with, of course, that was theoretical. Right. Um, but it was it was a requirement for quantum physics to work at all. When you dug down into the theory, it was a requirement. Universal non-locality was a requirement. And then it became thought experiments because nobody had the technology to do anything with it. Right. But then in the 1970s and 80s, people started to be able to research non-locality at a quantum scale by creating twin particles and realizing that when one was flipped in terms of specific state, the twin immediately switched without any signal going between them. But those experiments were able to then be expanded to bigger and bigger and bigger scales. And in 2018, that scale became huge because physicists were able to non-locally, what's called entangle, photons of light in a laboratory with starlight from 600 light years away, from light from an incredibly active uh, galactic center, 12.2 billion light years away. That is cosmological. And one of the experimenters involved in that particular work was Anton Zellinger, but his two colleagues and he, after decades, got the Nobel Prize of Physics last year, late last year, for universal non-locality. I think the key here is that the Nobel's only given for what we call settled science. Einstein didn't get his Nobel Prize right. for relativity theory because it was seen as being too contentious. Right. He got it for something else that proved the quantized nature of energy matter called the photoelectric effect. So these three researchers getting the Nobel is that universal non-locality is now seen as settled science. Wow. Wow. I mean, and that's, it, to me, that's like the ultimate of society saying, no, this is real. Yeah. Like, like what we're talking about, like this is real. And 
it's something that needs to be recognized. Um, I, I heard this story once that there was a, a quantum physicist, I think it was in Stanford, who wanted to teach quantum physics to non-physics majors. And when he put in his application to the board, they came back and denied it. And they said it would be like uh, giving kid kindergarten children uh, machine guns. Oh, <laughs> he responded, gosh. no worries, I'll teach them gun safety, but they still denied it. Um, and, and, and one of the things I've heard quoted about the, the, the Nobel prize is that what they proved is that the universe is non-locally real. Yes. In other words, unity isn't an aspiration. It's our existential reality. Right. And that changes everything because of what it's saying, you know, our worldview has been one of materialism and separation with all that goes with that, as you were saying earlier, right. what this does. And the evidence is far more than, you know, it's, it's, I've write, written about it in both the books you mentioned, but mm -hmm. the evidence is at all scales of existence and across mm -hmm. many different fields of research. And it's turning that old paradigm on its head. And yeah. that old paradigm, of course, was of a dead universe. It was a meaningless universe. It was a purposeless universe. This is completely transforming that view and bringing meaning and purpose. And that means us. Yes. Into a living, evolving, unified universe. Yes. And it means like this idea of, oh, it doesn't matter what I do. There's there, there's no implications. I can go and 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 you know uh, hurt people. I can just make myself the center of the universe and affect all. The, it doesn't make any difference. And the truth is, it does. It does make difference. And and this is why this is far more you know this is far more important than essentially a, a, a scientific revolution, because this is a revolution in our understanding of the nature of reality itself. And therefore, who we are. And it's showing us, Sam, that we're inseparable. So when we hurt someone else or our planetary home, we're hurting ourselves at profound levels yes. of, of, of trauma. And so literally waking up to remember we're inseparable offers us also, it seems to me, an invitation from the universe to evolve in our consciousness, to evolve in our awareness and to make different choices. Exactly, exactly, which is a perfect bridge for us to now talk about the story of Gaia. And like, why did you choose to take this focus on sort of universal consciousness? And now you're focusing on Gaia on planet Earth. Well, the story of Gaia, of course, is the story not just of our planetary home, but the story of us, and also the story of our whole universe. Because when we go back to the beginning of our universe, 13.8 billion years ago, you know, stories go back as far as we have a memory of being able to tell a story. And thanks to the technologies of our science, we can go back to the essentially to the beginning of our universe, 13.8 billion years ago. So I wanted to tell the whole story and I wanted to tell it coming from a perspective and evidence based of universal consciousness. But I also wanted to really share that the story of our universe is our story. And I talk about our universe beginning not as a big bang. It wasn't big. We know that. But it wasn't the sort of chaos of a bang. Instead, it was incredibly fine-tuned and ordered as the first moment of an ongoing big breath. 
So as time has flowed forward ever since, and as space has expanded ever since, the story of our universe, the story of Gaia, and the story that's come to us is a story of evolution from simplicity to ever greater levels of complexity and diversity and individuated self-awareness. So I couldn't just tell the story of Gaia as a planetary home without going back to the beginning of the whole story, because the hydrogen in our bodies, the hydrogen in the waters in our bodies, the hydrogen in the waters of Gaia is as old as the universe. Yes, yes, yes. And and again, it kind of goes back to this idea of a holographic universe that what is within us, I mean, the the very substance that created the physical universe at the beginning of time is what is within us. Yes, yes, exactly. And that gives us in, inherent meaning and purpose, an evolutionary purpose. Because near here and now, we're on the bow wave of that evolutionary arc, that evolutionary impulse of our universe. And it seems to me that with this evidence-based understanding, we can be, you know, we're being invited into experiencing right. this is who we are and therefore making our decisions and our choices and coming together to link up and lift up for transformational change in the world from this existential reality yeah. of who yeah. we really are. Which, which is, again, harkens back to what ancient mystics said who we are thousands of years ago. Now, if I wanted to play devil's advocate and I was someone listening to this show and I was like, oh, this all sounds great, but right now the world looks like it's it's destroying itself. We're more divided than we've ever been before. You know, we're, as the expression is, we're going to hell in a handbasket. You, you know, how can there be universal consciousness with all this craziness, all this pain, all this suffering going on today? Well, without any blame, because I don't think that's particularly helpful. Right. I'm a student of, of the story of us as well. And what I've seen as we look back for the last thousands of years, but progressively over the last few centuries, we've been journeying to greater levels of sense of self. You know, the further back we look, you know, hunter gatherers as indigenous folks today, very much a community minded. Yes. We went on a journey of perceived separation perceived and individuation and what it brought us through was that individuation we somehow forgot that actually we're differentiated but we're not separate and that differentiation then became this growing perspective of separation and with separation you know when it's to the extent we've had it it's become a dis-ease yeah. And therefore our behaviors and the way we worked in the world. But that's a natural outcome when mm. we have a worldview of separation. We're now able to wake up to remember we're inseparable with a worldview and a unitive understanding where we can choose differently. We can choose wisely. We can choose from that understanding of wholeness and the unity in diversity rather than fragmentation and separation so that's why i think we're where we're at it's clearly not sustainable yeah. but it's rather like you know 11 11 right. we have the opportunity now to see it and to 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 to, to with that harness that awareness come to different ways of being 
so it's it's the, the challenge we're f- facing today if i might paraphrase it is is not because we've individuated ourselves but because it's out of balance that we've individuated exactly. ourselves to a point where we forgot we're part of the collective exactly so it's exactly so it's like we've been sort of method actors mm. in a play of of this drama rather than realizing and being able to see from a from a deeper perspective and a wider perspective that this is these are roles we've been taking and mm. now these roles we need to take off those clothes right. of that immersive perspective of separation and realize who we are and who mm. we can become because right. this is such an invitation to consciously evolve and into an, our next potential adventure mm. Mm. Wonderful. Wonderful. Um, I've got a million and one questions. I could talk to you for hours. Got to take our last break of the show. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about sort of consciousness and the different species on the planet. Um, and I do, I, I hope we have a chance. I just want to talk about string theory because I understand there's some controversy around string theory these days, yes, which seemed to have answered a lot before. So, so let, let's, let's make sure to touch upon that before we wrap up. So everyone, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. My guest this hour has been Jude Caravan, author of the book, The Story of Gaia. And we'll be right back to wrap this up in just a moment. What really drives success in business? Introducing Intangify, the show that explores the intangible assets that create value and growth. I'm Matthew Asbell, your host and an attorney focused on innovation. Join me Fridays at noon Eastern to discover how innovation, culture, and other intangibles shape thriving companies from startups to established businesses. We'll share strategies to unleash your business's true potential. Tune in live on talkradio.nyc Fridays at noon Eastern and Intangify your business today. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Welcome back. So, so Dr. Jude, um, in the story of Gaia and, and in looking at sort of the whole view that you have of this evolving consciousness that we're learning is, is, is based on science is real. 
So it's kind of almost like there was an inevitability that when life evolved, that it would get more and more complex. Um, but as we look around the world, right, there are different sort of types of consciousness, right? We have a different consciousness from a dog, from a dolphin, from a whale, from a insect, from a tree, from a rock. Do all these other things have consciousness too? I mean, is this all just consciousness? Fundamentally, yes. But I think there's there's a, a, a differentiation between perhaps mind and mm. consciousness. And that differentiation sometimes pointed out is that mind is like the fundamental stuff, whether we say cosmic mind. Um, and consciousness is an awareness, a level of awareness that can be planetary sentience in some way. It can be a, a, a bird. It can be a, a tree. You know, trees, the latest understanding we have is that trees have 20 senses. So they're very, very multi-level of awareness and can communicate with each other. Because right, and through the mycelial network, exactly. be able to communicate over hundreds of miles. Exactly. But, you know, this emergent understanding is of a living, sentient, mindful, essentially conscious universe where cosmic universal consciousness is expressed as meaningful, digitized, meaningful in hyphen formation. It's not random data. It's meaningful, inherently so. And that meaningful information, which is pixelated, that minute scale we were talking about right at the beginning. Mm-hmm. which is as small as to an atom as an atomist in the whole universe. That is the, that is the scale at which our, our, the appearance of our universe comes into being mm-hmm. and embodies that innate universal consciousness, mindful understanding and, and, and existential nature of reality. Mm-hmm. So, so everything is part of this. Right. So, so given that, I'm curious, what do you believe happens to our consciousness when we pass on? Well, again, you know, I, 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 I've, <laughs> I've had many conversations with dead folks. So, you know, I do have a position. Here. <laughs> My mum used to say I'd speak with anyone and, you know, multidimensional <laughs> folks all over the place. But yeah, you know, in that sense, we our consciousness is not our physicalized bodies. And, and, you know, with this new understanding and the ephemerality of, of our universe, it is real, mm. but it's not that sense of solidity that quantum physics and the, and the force of quantum physics give us the impression of. Mm. So, you know, when we come into incarnation, we could say our soul, our spirit, our consciousness comes into this earthwalk as indigenous teachings tell us and ancient wisdom tell us. And then when we come to the end of our life cycle, whether it be short or whether it be long, when our bodies come to the end of that, they, you know, they, they go back into the compost mm-hmm. of, of Gaia, but our spirits continue. And, you know, what I'm really pleased now more and more and certainly supported by this, this emergent understanding is more and more credence and more and more support to research, legitimate, rigorous research into all supernormal phenomena Mm. and after death um, continuation, near-death experiences, as well as synchronicities, you know, as as well as our intuitive superpowers. Um, 
because all of these are naturalized within this emergent understanding, this conscious cosmology of a living, evolving, sentient, unified universe. Yes. Yes. I had on oh, a couple of months ago, uh, a professor who's studying synchronicity, like he's done all this research just around synchronicity. It's fascinating. Um, okay. B before we finish up, I, I got two things I want to ask you about. So the first is string theory. String mm -hmm. theory for a long time was felt to be it. This idea that the base of the universe is these little tiny things that would wiggle and vibrate and from those vibrations became all of matter. But now um, there seems to be some dissent in that people feel that string theory does not hold water, as we say. No, it, it really has come to a sort of a, a perhaps not necessarily an end point, but it's mm -hmm. certainly run pretty much out of the steam that it had several decades ago. I think what's really coming forward is is what I'm writing about. And I'm doing that because there is so much evidence and that's being shared by more and more scientists now. So the the, the sort of the the the, the research is, is sort of heading into this informational understanding mm -hmm. and this holographic understanding of the nature of, of our universe. And what I write about is is expanding the laws of physics they're still there. They're still absolutely vital. Right. But perhaps by seeing them in a new way, we can um, expand our understanding based on information, the holographic principle. So I talk about laws of thermodynamics expanded to laws of information or infodynamics. When we do that, it's rather like a Rubik's Cube. The laws of physics can be understood both right. as a simple coming together, which ex which can bring together bring together both quantum physics and relativity physics, which have string theory was trying to do. Yeah. String theory for a long time was trying to reconcile them. This is an, a new approach to the potential to reconcile them. And it's an approach that's founded on evidence at all scales of existence, as I mentioned. And the patterns that that evidence is showing up support mm -hmm what I'm sharing, but also support the holographic nature, nature of our right. universe. Right, right. Exactly. Exactly. The other thing I wanted to ask you about, because I'm a big science fiction buff, I love you know, all the science fiction movies, is an idea that's become very, very popular now is the idea of a multiverse, that there's not just one universe, but almost an infinite number of universes. And I'm curious, how does that fit in or does it or does it not fit into this idea of a uh, a consciousness information-based universe? It depends how you define the multiverse or a multiverse, because one sort of train of thought that that's now being, I think, just put aside um, is that of parallel universes mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and many what's called the many worlds hypothesis, which is basically that every quantum action uh, is is replicated because of its indeterminism is replicated. Mm -hmm. So we have trillions on trillions and infinities yeah. of universes. And that's really been debunked now pretty much. But the possibility of a multiverse is there because if we're saying, which this evidence is, is leading us to, that our universe or the appearance of our universe is a great thought in the mind of the cosmos, then our universe, the best evidence we have now is that it's a finite thought. It began 13.8 billion years ago. It will come to a finite end. And rather like a bubble, it's, mm -hmm. it's ending releases all its, its encapsulated experience and sentience back into 
the cosmic mind, cosmic plenum, which all traditions, as far as we have any sense of, tell us are, is infinite and eternal. So an infinite and eternal cosmos and a finite universe, which may have other finite universes mm. as a plethora of thought forms as a, as a multiverse. But we have no evidence at all. What we do have is what came before the first moment of the big breath. And that suggests that there could well be other universes that, you know, effectively ended and in some way gave birth to ours. Ah, ah. So, so it's sort of like this universe is one thought in the mind of the universe, but there were probably one in the, mind of the cosmos, yeah, of the cosmos. But there could have been other thoughts in the mind of the cosmos that existed before and will exist after, and exist perhaps. You know, we space time is, is within our universe, but you could say yes, alongside, yeah, 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 wonderful. Oh, it was such a pleasure to to have this conversation with you, Dr. Jude. Um, I'm just curious, are you working on another book since you've, <laughs> you've done um, so many so far? I have. Well, The Cosmic Hologram and, and The Story of Gaia were book one and two of a trilogy. Oh. And so the third book is slowly bubbling at the moment and hopefully will come forward in the next year or so. Uh, well, I would love to have you back on when, when that book comes out so we can explore those ideas as well. Thank you, Sam, because that book is the story of us. Ah, very important one. So, <laughs> Well, Dr. Jude, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to come on my show. I truly appreciate it. It was wonderful getting to know you. And please, if you ever make it to New York City, please let me know and we'll definitely have to meet up, okay? Oh, Sam, that's so kind. I've loved being with you and, and your wonderful community. And, and thank you for all the work you're doing. This is so important, as yes. you say, to, to help people to open up their awareness, yes. expand their awareness. Right, right. And to remind ourselves that we don't know everything and that there's <laughs> always something new to learn and that as time goes on, more and more is revealed. Yes, it's very much a work in progress. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Dr. Jude, and I wish you much success with this book, and I can't wait to read the, the next book when it comes out. And of course, thank you, my loyal listeners, for tuning in each week, as you always do. I'm so grateful for you. Without you, there is no show. And of course, if you missed any part of today's show, make sure to catch the replay on talkradio.nyc and on all the major podcasting platforms, Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio. We're all over the place. So make sure you catch us there. Next week, uh, oh, next week, it's the first week of uh, July. So it's probably a me only show. I don't think I have a guest next week. So tune in and we'll see what I'm going to talk about next week. Thank you all for tuning in. We will talk to you next week. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift educate, empower.
Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. What really drives success in business? Introducing Intangify, the show that explores the intangible assets that create value and growth. I'm Matthew Asbell, your host and an attorney focused on innovation. Join me Fridays at noon Eastern to discover how innovation, culture, and other intangibles shape driving companies from startups to established businesses. We'll share strategies to unleash your business's true potential. Tune in live on talkradio.nyc Fridays at noon Eastern and Intangify your business today. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your conscious consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 